Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So let's dive in. So today, we are actually joined by a special guest, Sergeant Andre Booker of the 51st IS. He is the first sergeant for that organization. He has graciously agreed to uh, discuss with us today some personal resilience stories and things that he's encountered uh, in his own life and throughout his Air Force career that have helped him persevere and get to where he is today. Sergeant Booker, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me today. Yeah, we're, we're excited to uh, hear what stories and lessons you have, some words of wisdom that you can share with our airmen. So if it's okay with you, let's dive right in. All right. Okay. Wow, a little about me. Um, going on 20 years in the Air Force now. I wow. didn't think that I was going to make it to 20 years because of, <laughs> I came in and you know, I thought I was a good airman. Military background, my father was in the Army, but okay. I decided to come in the Air Force to smarter all the, all the branches, I believe. Okay. You know? So you were an Army brat growing up? Yes, sir. Okay, so kind of from all over, I take it. <laughs> yes, but originally I'm from... Uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, right here in the in the lovely state of Virginia. Virginia is for lovers. It's a great place. <laughs> um, and most people would say, "Hey, why don't you join the Navy?" My granddaddy was in the Navy, but okay. my dad he joined the Army, and then I joined the Air Force. So, I, I guess so what made you join the Air Force? Well, my dad he just he said, "Son, don't join the Army." He said, <laughs> "He said they're gonna break you down, and uh, you're gonna be gone a whole lot." And being a little kid, you know, my my father was gone. A whole lot um, granted and he just knew you know the Air Force would be the better of the of the branches nothing against the other branches but this branch the Air Force I believe and he believed was the best and thus far we they've proven that you know just by the facts and the data and where I am and having the opportunity to do different things compared to some of my childhood friends that joined the Army or the Navy or the Marines Sure. Now, your dad sounds like he made an impact on you, even though he was away a lot, at least listening to his advice. How did he make an impact on you, even though he was away so much? Um, I, I think it was the communication factor. Uh, I mean, my, my father, regardless of where he was at or w what tour he was doing, Korea, wherever, wherever he was stationed at that time, you know, he always made sure he kept those lines of communications open between me, him, and my mom. Granted, my mom was a single parent a whole lot because he was gone, and then the the level of the jobs that he was doing. He was an inf infantry soldier, oh, okay. and then at the same time, he became a, a command sergeant major. So he had a lot going on, and he also was a first sergeant prior to becoming oh, wow. a command sergeant major. That's so awesome. I kind of followed in his footsteps on yeah. the Air Force side, but not on the Army side. That's awesome. So what kind of impact did that uh, environment have on you when you're, you're growing up, and how did that shape you into who you are today? I, I, I think... My dad, he was a drill sergeant for a while, and it just, the discipline and just the just the simplicities in life, just do the right thing at all mm -hmm. times. I mean, just something as simple as waking up, making your bed, brushing your teeth, and just getting yourself together in, in the morning, you know, just starting off on the right foot, and then just respect, you know, he, he, he taught us to respect everybody, and I, I think that's the, that, that was the, the foundation to everything, respecting all. That's awesome, and I think that definitely translate, uh, translates well into your current job as a first sergeant. 
I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, something that Chaplain Bridget and I actually talked about a few podcasts back, the morning routine and the importance of doing those, those simple things like making your bed and you know, doing your personal hygiene and having a set structure for how you do that because it does impact your entire day. So it, I, I like that you brought that up. We didn't coach him, by the way. <laughs> that was totally spontaneous. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you for, for commenting on that. So, um, can you tell us a bit about your Air Force career, you know, what you started off with, uh, and then how that progressed into different duties as you, as you uh, progressed? Right. Um, I came in open general, but I came in with a guaranteed job as security forces. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted no to be kidding. a law enforcement officer. And little do you know, uh, I said, wow, this is not what I was expecting. I was <laughs> expecting to be riding around in a patrol car all day. You know, arresting people and writing tickets, but uh, I was ended up on the gate waiting traffic. <laughs> sure, in the uh, in the cold weather here and there, and uh, so I wanted the opportunity to go to school while I was I came in the Air Force to go to school. That was mm -hmm. one of the, the main focuses, and I didn't get the opportunity to go to school working a security forces job, so I elected to cross train into a, a, a more a job that where. I was going to be able to work, you know, eight hours, not working 12 hours like the security, 12 or 14 hours like the security forces airmen do. Okay. And that's one of the hardest jobs in the Air Force. I mean, I have so much respect for those guys. and Absolutely. They're really paying their dues. And every job is a hard job in the Air Force, and every job is, is equally important. But security forces, those guys, I just have a, a soft spot in my heart for those guys. Absolutely. They, they work hard, and a lot of times they don't get the credit due. Yes, yeah. sir. So... After after I put my cross train in, I, I cross trained to three A admin, three D, whatever you want to call it these days, and uh, I had the opportunity to go to school, more assignments, and just moving around. Okay. Um, that in that job, I was, you know, I was able to get my CCAF. I was able to in security forces, my old AFSC. I was able to get my CCAF in the admin, the three D career field, whatever you want to call it now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Currently, it's called the administration career field. And then from that point, I uh, transitioned into being the command chief assistant and just being in that admin aspect job, you, you were able to learn a whole lot within uh, within the Air Force just networking because you have to know a little bit of everything being an admin. Oh, admin. sure. Uh, after that, the Air Force decided that, hey, we're going to uh, – we're gonna make you a military training leader, MTL. So okay. I was at MTL at Shepherd when all the sexual assault and all the hazing was going on at Lackland. So yeah. us folks at Shepherd, at MTL's Blue Ropes, we were under a fine microscope, and um, I think. But that was a, a good four years of just doing the right thing, and the whole time I was never concerned about all the harassment, the hazing, or anything because my supervisor. Uh, Senior Master Sergeant Craig Pogue, or Chief Pogue right now, he told me, if you do, don't be afraid to do your job. Just do mm -hmm. your job, and you do your job right. You follow the black and white that the Air Force has laid. There was a foundation, a training plan that we had. If you follow this, you're going to be okay. And, and I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier, about how uh, important it is for you to have respect for other people and treat others with respect. And so maybe you didn't have that uh, as much concern with that as an MTL because that was your bread and butter. That was where you were coming from. And so you knew as long as you continued to um, demonstrate that respect to other people, you wouldn't have any of these other uh, issues. Oh, absolutely, yes. And that plan 
that you have as far as like as an MTL? Can you go into that? Is that just the, how you're taking someone from where they're coming to a finished product for training? Yes, sir. And how it, how it comes is they get off the bus from BMT, mm-hmm. and you have to teach these these airmen how to conduct themselves as you know airmen living in the dorms. You're preparing them for airmen in the dorms. It's almost like college life. Guess what? Mm-hmm. They're going to school every morning. You're making sure they're they're arriving to school every morning. You're making sure they're they're going to eat when they're supposed to eat and making sure they're paying their bills. And then you slowly but surely start giving them freedoms and liberty. It's called the Advanced Transition Program, ATP Mm -hmm. and ITP. Initial transition program, that's what they start off with when they get off the bus at their tech training, and then they go to the Advanced. So in a month time frame, you have to transition them, excuse me, from ITP to ATP. And in that time frame, they have to just meet minimum requirements and just follow minimum everyday traditional standards like okay is your room clean are you are you showing up on time to all appointments are you are you showing up to class i mean we had Aaron that wasn't showing up to class <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of conversation between their instructors and mtl going okay hey how can we help this Aaron? Mm-hmm. and the biggest challenge i had with that was just the simple things in life like some of these kids and i'm not gonna call them kids some of these adults did not know how to write a money order or wash clothes hmm. or you know dry clean their clothes or just just simple things or you know didn't know how to uh, didn't know how to just pay a bill or open up a bank they had bank accounts but they didn't know how to make deposits and, sure. and things of that nature so things that maybe were outside the scope of that technical training um, it was your job to fill in those gaps, to identify some of those deficiencies, and to help them become uh, the consummate professional that they need to be. Not just for the Air Force, but for their, their lives in general. In, in, in life in yeah. general. I mean, the one story that stood out for me is I, I kept going and inspecting this guy's room, and he kept failing every week. And I'm just, you know, dirty clothes everywhere, just the odor, smell. And I'm, I finally got to his third failure and I'm you know I don't yell and so I'm calling him down like here write your paper here here's your paperwork sign your verbal counsel go clean your room and so after that third time I, I dug a little deeper and um I just called him in and I said uh <clears throat> excuse me I said what's going on do you I asked the key question do you know how to wash your clothes hmm. and he he looked at me and he he said he just shook his head no sir and I said Come on, let's go. So we walked over to the shop at, bought some washing powder, mm-hmm. you know, a little uh, fabric softener yeah. and those things, and some dryer sheets. And we went back to his room, collected all his belongings in his room, and we went down to the laundry room, and I said, this is what you do. Follow these directions right here. One scoop in, don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Don't overdo it. And we just... I had to show him that step by step, and he got into a routine. I said, at least once a week, you should be washing clothes. Hmm. So he followed suit, did what I asked him to do. Guess what? The next week, walked into his room. There was no odor. Mm-hmm. His hygiene was 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 <laughs> a whole lot improved, a whole lot better, <laughs> and, and things of that nature. And and to this day, you know this this guy, he's still in the Air Force, airman airman below the zone, and he made staff search time. Wow. And the the crazy thing about it is he's currently stationed at 
show Air Force Base right now. <laughs> no kidding. Only me and him know because he sent, <laughs> he sent me an email two weeks ago. He's since then retrained. He's he's not doing uh, the job that he's doing, but he's doing a pretty high profile job on base. He's awesome. married, have a wife, kids, and uh, it, it's it's amazing to see somebody, you know, go from not being able to wash clothes to being a father and a husband. Well, and see, that impact you made, and I think that's something for anyone listening, you never know the root cause of a problem. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's not someone not wanting to meet the standard. There's something else going on, and just taking that time to mentor and just to help, I mean, you've changed his life, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, for sure, the smell. Um, but you've, changed, <laughs> you've given him a life skill, and sometimes we forget that the folks we work with are young, that they might not know how to do or take certain actions in life or generally. And I, I bet that made a huge impact for him. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, it would be a mistake to think that, oh, well, you know, Sergeant Booker just taught him how to wash his clothes. You know, that's you know, a trivial thing. There's so many other things that are more important. Well, I would say that we all have certain knowledge gaps um, throughout our lives, and some of them are you know, very significant if we're not able to shore those up later on in life. I mean, if you don't learn good coping skills, good communication skills, things that you just haven't uh, been taught or had a good model for in your life, those can become serious issues later on. And I'd, I'd be willing to bet that that airman probably would not have done uh, or gone on to do a lot of these great things if he continued to have this hygiene problem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it may seem like a small thing, but it had a huge impact. Yes. And, it, and, and more than that, your level of interest in this guy's situation and your willingness to, to ask those questions, to dig deeper, and to genuinely mentor him and show him how to do those things, that, I think, communicated a, a lot about... Um, you know, how he can approach problems, how he can rely on other people. And, and with that, I mean, it was so many lessons with that guy that we, things that we went through. I'm not going to share all the stories, but I mean, it was multiple airmen. After word got around that, you know, Sergeant Booker, he's, he's tough, but guess what? He's going to help you and he's going to get you through it. There, there were others that, that came back to me and was, hey, I need to talk to you. Um, you know, I'm having a problem at, back home with, you know, mom and dad I'm trying to take care of home you know financially and then I'm missing out on some things here financially and mm. you know I help those, those individuals find that balance between you know okay work family life and you know your your extended family you know so you know and it's just life lessons and I mean I have so many stories about the airman at Shepherd, mm. and I really that's where I really developed that you know what this is my calling. This is what I want to do. I want to help people. And I had made up my mind that I don't want to go back to my admin career field. I wanted to help people the, the rest of my military career. And that's why today I'm a first sergeant because I just enjoy helping people. I mean, that's just, that gives me joy. And, and I just, I like to see the end results because when I'm here, this is going to be a legacy left for my son, my kids, and, mm -hmm. you know, their kids, and just a little bit of everybody, so I try to just, somebody told me a long time ago, brand your name, and mm -hmm. uh, when when they say Booker, you know, you want, it, you want them to say good things, or when they say Captain Walker, you want them to know of good things, you know, like, what's the, what's the great thing that he did? Granted, it could be something as small as teaching somebody to how to wash clothes, but guess what? Mm -hmm. They're going to pass that on, and you know, only thing I told those airmen and the people that I, I helped, I said, pay it forward to somebody else. Help somebody else. That's great because you're talking about leaving a legacy. And, and 
the Air Force, we're all very replaceable. <laughs> they let us know that. They remind they us all the time. Um, but it's the people who, who are going to stay behind after you're gone, you've moved on for the rest of your life and, and your you know, second career that um, is going to endure. And so those people are going to be able to tell stories like the, the laundry story. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's a great question you ask. What is your legacy going to be? How are people going to remember you? When they say Sergeant Booker later on, what, what comes to mind? That branding idea is excellent, I think. I remember, um, believe it or not, I used to get kicked out of religion class in high school all the time. Uh, I don't know why. Not you, Chad. actually doesn't surprise me. I probably, you, I probably should still be kicked out of religion class today. But that said, she, the sister who was teaching the class pulled me aside and said, when you sign your name to this paper, rather than put a snarky comment or a joke, know that you're signing your name with excellence, that what your name represents is something that can't be replaced. And so... After that, I still remember since that point of saying, wow, if I'm signing my name, like this means something. This is my best effort. And it's the same concept of the brand is what am I bringing to work every day? What am I bringing to my efforts at work, in the gym, in my family life? Like we need to bring that, our brand to it. I mean, th- to bring it to a modern day, imagine if I go open a can of, three cans of soda, whatever, or, mon- or a specific drink like Monster, whatever, and each one tastes dramatically different, although they're labeled the same. You might say, well, it's inconsistent. It's like instead we go for consistency. So what is our consistent brand going to be? I just think that's neat. Um, so the transition to the um, first sergeant piece. Um, oh, question, how long do you serve as a first sergeant? The first sergeant uh, special duty is four years now. It used to be three years, but now it's four years. So I will be a first sergeant for four years. Right now I currently have a year under my belt okay. as a first sergeant. So the Air Force and you guys have me for three more years. Fantastic. You know, to, to, to help people and mold our, our younger airmen. And CGOs and, and FGOs Absolutely. in their Air Force career. And w- as a first sergeant, what is something um, that you do on a daily basis? Talk to people. Communication. You know, just get to know your people. It's to a point now where I walk around and I try to at least see all the people in my squadron that are not deployed, you know, every day for like 30 seconds. And just, mm. you know, over a period of time, I pick up on... You know, when they're having bad days, when they're having good days, when just something's going on. And I'll look at them and say, hey, three minutes, come to my office and come see me. And then that's when I'll peel back the onion and what's going on? You don't look like yourself today. So, hmm. I mean, it's just getting to know your people and just helping. Like like I said, I tell everybody in my squadron, I work for you guys. You don't work for me. You know, And if it's a service that you need or something that you're not receiving on base or you just haven't run into a brick wall, come to me and I'll do the research for you. I know mm-hmm. you guys are busy with doing your primary job. You don't need to be worrying about, hey, I'm missing $2,000 from you know, from my pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guess what I'm doing? I'm taking the paperwork and I'm going over there as a first sergeant because, to be honest, first sergeants get things moving. They, they, they shake che- trees a little faster than others. And I can walk over there, go be a direct to my first sergeant counterpart, mm-hmm. or just go up to the front counter and say, hey, this guy's missing $2,000. Here's the facts. When is he going to receive his back pay? And guess what? As soon as I come back, well, I walk back to the office 15 minutes later, and that guy, and I'm like, okay, this is the update on it. You should see it in your 15th paycheck. It's off. Guess what? That guy's more productive at work. Yeah, absolutely. Because... And he didn't have to take time out of his uh, you know, work day to go figure out the system, to get all the forms together, go out to finance himself. He had somebody who knew the process, knew the system, and could uh, take care of it for him. So yeah, he could focus absolutely. on Absolutely. And no way do first sergeants know everything. We do not know. I'll put the disclaimer on. I do not know <laughs> everything that I, sh- that I think I should know. But 
the thing is, as a first sergeant, getting out and just knowing what agencies to use to get these people help. I have I have a question for you on that. So you know, you're in a great role as a first sergeant, where it's literally your job to to talk to people, to check in on them, see how they're doing. How about um, those folks who are in the work center, where you know maybe they're uh, a flight commander, maybe they're an NCO supervisor, or they're just a fellow peer airman, um, and they notice that one of their buddies is struggling, or he's he's not himself lately. What advice would you give them for how to reach out to that person, how to how to initiate that conversation? At the same time, you need to show them that you care. Search yourself into their life. I, it's not being nosy or anything but sometimes you just have to ask the question multiple times hmm. in different ways to see what's going on or maybe it's just getting out of the work center and saying hey we have a lake across the street from our office our, our building so hey you want to go walk around the lake doing lunch get a couple laps in and it's so many people out there doing lunch and guess what it doesn't look obvious that you're you're trying to counsel this person you guys are just getting out getting some exercise because where our guys, our intel guys work, we work in a skiff. So we're yeah. locked up, no windows, no access to our, our cell phones. Granted, you have to go outside, you want to use your cell phone. So mm -hmm. it might be a matter of, okay, it's our, it's our smoke break time. You know, I'm not promoting smoking, but, <laughs> sure. but it, it could just be a little break time. And then just going out and just letting people know that you, hey, I'm here to help you. You know, I don't care what it is. You know, you can, it's not going to shock me. You know, I might look shocked, but guess what? We're going to get you some help that you need. I often say that people will come in and say, oh, Chaplain, I'm sure you've never heard this before. And say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed, possibly. That would be amazing. Well, Chaplain, I'm sure you never heard this before. You I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> but one of the things you talked about before we started recording was this idea of not having all the answers, of using a network, right? And I think, how can we develop networks in our jobs towards resilience? It's a matter of just getting out from behind your desk. Hmm. Going, just because you, you work in a specific section don't mean you can't go to that other section and talk to people. It's a matter of just effective communication. If you talk to people, at one, at what point they have to talk back to you. They're going to say something <laughs> back to you, whether it's, hey, how you doing, or leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at what you have to talk to people. So... I tell my airmen and my squad, hey, do you know such and such over here? You guys have some of the same same things you like to do. Get up and go talk to him or her. And it's I've actually seen it start working because I, we have quite a few runners hmm. in in the squadron. And you would think Intel, we're not in shape, but we, <laughs> we are some in shape folks in Intel. Oh, yeah. And they've kind of got together and started running. Then we have some people that are bona fide artists. And so... They've got together and they've started painting some some murals together and some a, oh, a few awesome. things and designing a couple of things. So, so not about it's 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 long story short. It's about just talking to people. Mm -hmm. You know, you can don't walk past anybody in the hallway and not speak. There's not a if I walk past somebody in the hallway and I say hello and they don't speak, I'll turn around real quick. Hey, you doing okay? You know, just to make sure, and they'll say, yeah, or, yeah, I'm fine. Guess what? I'm going to circle back in, in, <laughs> right. in about 15, 20 minutes. You know, yeah. I'm going to let you get to where you're getting, but I'm going to circle back, and it's a mental note that I'm keeping. That, that's great, and, and it's something that I've um, had to train myself to do. You know, whenever I pass somebody in the hallway and they, they're looking down, they've got that dejected look, or and maybe they're, they're laser-focused, I always try to engage them. 
um, because you know that's the kind of person who by their own body posture and their facial expression they're trying to shut people out and so you know, maybe they need to, to you know, engage with somebody actually have a conversation because uh, at that point in time they're they're not really opening themselves up to anybody and it, it's pretty clear to anybody who, who looks at them they're they're dealing with something well, and we hear about loneliness all the time like as far as a problem with millennials it's like to, to go i don't know who does my hobby whatever it may be it's like how about you ask someone Go somewhere where those folks congregate and you'll find them. Even if you're online, there are ways to find folks in video game bill. I mean, there's ways to find folks who share. Yeah, it, it's funny. The other day I, um, I was talking to one of my neighbors and they lived there for, I want to say, like two years right next door. And I just now discovered that he has a similar enthusiasm for racquetball as I do. Oh, wow. I've been playing for years. Wow. He's been playing for years. But somehow we just haven't talked enough to actually get to that point. And so now we're going to start playing together. But I'm, it just, it's funny because uh, you know, I never thought to just you know, bring up, oh, hey, what kind of things are you interested in? Here's yeah. what I like to do. And you know, here we have this shared passion. My poor neighbors. <laughs> ask them 40 questions. Okay, so we'll ask a couple more questions just because we want to respect your time too. So um, the first thing I want to ask is, when you think of the word successful, who is the first person who comes to mind and why? Everybody that shows up to work every day on time. I mean, but if I had to actually pinpoint one person, I, I like to bundle them into one as my mother and my father. Hmm. You know, my father did 28 years in the Air Force. My mother has been working. I'm in the Army. I'm, yeah, excuse, no, me. I'm yeah. Air Force. My dad's Army. Excuse okay. me. Uh, 28 years in the Army. My mom's been working for the, the DOD for almost, almost 20 years now. And I just, wow. I watched those two. And I watched them where we came from as children, me and my brother uh, Lamont. And just to see the values and the things that our parents, you know, instilled in us, the sacrifices that they made for the family, and the military, and the, na the nation as a whole, and I just look at them now, and they're to a point where, yeah, they're they're re retired. They're on the way to retirement, and they're, they've lived a successful life, been great citizens, and just done all the right things. So my mother and my father, I have to say those two. And I think I just want to highlight one piece of data to here that we also spoke about, that sometimes people will be concerned about if I join the military or stay in the Air Force, it might... My kids might not be able to achieve those great things, um, but what has your brother done? My brother's a toxicologist. He works for the FDA. Wow. Um, he has his PhD in toxicology. And, so. and you're obviously doing well as well. And, it, and what I'd like to do is show that, that sometimes even these moves that we go through, these military kids have an amazing ability to be resilient, and you're mm -hmm. basically third generation of that, and to see the success that can be had still. Yes, and, and the crazy thing about it was being military brats, my, I went to two high schools. My brother went to a total of three high schools. Hmm. So talking about resiliency and, and a lot of challenges being a new kid, mm -hmm. especially for my brother, every other year, every year he was a, a new kid at a school almost. Sure. And uh, just to look where he's at now and, you know, look how he's established. That's so awesome. You know, he, he's resiliency. I mean, he, he, no he, he fought through the struggles and he's, he learned to adapt and overcome. And clearly that served him well in college and, and onward. I mean, uh, three different high schools. I'm just thinking, man, the how much struggle it, it would be academically to try to achieve with, you know, constantly changing structure. But he got his PhD, so. Yeah, and and <laughs> the, the most stressful thing was going, my, I was a junior and we moved to Texas going into my senior year. 
I passed all my state tests tests in Maryland, you know, mm. to to graduate. And then I get to Texas, and they're like, "Hey, you have to take all these tests." Oh, and no. I'm just like, so that was very stressful, and you know, just had to hunker down and and study for these state standardized testing tests, and you know, thank God I passed. <laughs> Okay, well, um, so I lied. Two more questions. So uh, what is the best or most worst uh, or worthwhile investment you've made? So this could be anything, money, time, energy, any resource. Uh, and how did you decide to make that investment? The best investment was re-enlisting after my first enlistment was almost up. I, I said, I'm coming in the Air Force, I'm doing four years, and I'm out of here. Um, yeah. Four years, now we're 19 years. <laughs> so I, I think that was the best investment because it's taking care of me financially and allowing me to take care of my family also. Now, do you have any um, last requests at all or any parting words? Uh, something that, I, two quotes that I live by, W-Y-E, what's your excuse? And now, no opportunity wasted. Mm. And... I just use those, especially the now, no opportunity wasted. I, I just look at there's an opportunity to take advantage of everything around you in a in a good aspect daily. Um, walk, communicating with you guys, sitting here on this podcast. This is this is an opportunity that I decided not to waste. Yes, it was a last minute TUI, but I wanted to come up here and do this because maybe what I said could help somebody out. So no opportunity wasted. And WYE, what's your excuse? You know, there's no excuse. You know, you can do anything that you put your mind to. So, don't make excuses. You know, that's absolutely awesome. for every problem there is a solution. Yeah. May not be readily apparent, but if you're reaching out to other people and, and and you got faith in the process, it can be work. Yeah, I often tell people that this is just part of your story. When you go through a challenge, like this is part of a greater story. This is a chapter that might be a challenge or a great chapter. But like the next chapter is coming. I'm not being Debbie Downer or being overly optimistic. <laughs> but the point is, like, what what are you going to do to learn from this story, this chapter, uh, to get to the next? And where do you find those opportunities within the challenge? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Sergeant Booker, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your words of wisdom, learning about you, your stories, and uh, the the great things that you've done. Thank you for everything that you have done and continue to do for the Air Force. And uh, if you ever want to come back on this podcast, we'd be happy we to have you. We would love to. I am open to it at any time. I guess you guys can add me on at the third leg. No, that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we have learned so much, and we'd love to get your feedback, too. So if you're listening to this and think that, that you like this uh, method, uh, please let us know. You can email us. You can get in, in the global address list. I'm sure Sergeant Booker would love to get an email from you, too, just to say what, what you thought of this podcast, what you thought of uh, his contributions. But for now, we just want to close by saying thank you for what you do. We know your job is not easy. We know it's challenging. Every day there are, I'm sure, opportunities that make you just want to pull your hair out if you have any hair. So we just want to tell you we're thinking of you. We're proud of you. We want to thank you. So on that note, um, please leave us a review on iTunes and get in touch with us. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.